can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back with another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPlacido, and we have a fun one today. Got a locker room chat, talk about all new head coaching possibilities, as well as the never-ending Kemba trade talk. Let's dive into it. So, Who do you think will be the Boston Celtics head coach? So, for me... I'm kind of I'm kind of going on a, a couple different people. I think that despite all of the you know allegations on Chauncey Billups, I think he would be a great coach. I do think that Kara Lawson would be a pretty good fit with the Celtics. Obviously, she's been here. She's coached smart, coached all these guys pretty much. Uh, the locker room respects her. And she's just she's a brilliant basketball mind too. So I think both of those guys are probably the tops for me. I'm not going to sit here and say that you know guys like Sam Cassell, even Becky Hammond, aren't good picks, but those are my top two. Yeah, I think what like uh, I'm thinking about the Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond. Yeah, Becky Hammond. I feel like. I I respect her game. I feel like it would be cool to have her as a coach. I like what she did for the limited time she was a head coach. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, she's, she's brilliant. And she's been coaching underneath one of arguably the best coaches in NBA history. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like obviously yeah. being tutelaged under Greg Popovich is a, a pretty it's really good. Role, so. I think it's either her and or Chauncey. I feel like Chauncey. Um, getting coached by um, um, Doc Rivers because he was there last year, and also um, Ty Ty Lue now. I think it's it's pretty cool. Even though they both have different like schemes and all that, they both have different uh, things. They both have been in that head coach position, and they both you know have been successful in that position. So I feel like from what they brought onto Chauncey, I feel like Chauncey has learned from them, and I feel like if he does become the Celtics head coach, I would actually be really happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Chauncey Billups, and I and I get it. You know, there hasn't been great publicity, and it, that's all fair. But at this point, if you're if you're trying to find a guy with basketball intellect that can connect with, you know, the young players that the Celtics have, there are a few there are a few people out there that kind of fit the mold as much as Chauncey Billups has like does, like yeah, the guy. The guy's brilliant. Was in the Eastern Conference, won a title, knows what it takes to you know to win. He's gonna be a guy that can progress. You know, a young point guard as well. So, I mean, looking at a guy like Peyton Pritchard, he's a guy that would probably benefit the most from a guy like Chauncey Billups. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely it's gonna be an interesting offseason for sure to see where the coaching thing kind of ends up here. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah, yeah, what you said was correct about Chauncey. I also think about it as the point of view. is like he is a champion. He uh, is a finals MVP. He's been to that point as a player, and, like, that will help him out in the locker room because, you know, what their goal is is to win a championship. That's basically what every team is, but he's done that before. He knows that mindset to be in. And from the coaches he's learned with, I think he has the potential to be a good one. So, I just think all around his characteristic and how like his career is, how respectable his career was when he was with Detroit, and how you know he, he has the potential to be a really good coach as well. Yeah, for sure. What other uh, what other rumors do we get, guys? And JJ, I mean, you can feel free to stay on, but if we have any other speakers, feel free to request to speak. We can keep the chat going here. We've got Ricky Powell. Uh, requesting to speak here so jj appreciate you hopping on feel free to request again here in a little bit uh, gotcha. i'm gonna invite ricky on up here i appreciate it man uh have a good day you thank too. you hey how are you guys right, doing ricky. how we doing good how are you doing well doing well what do you got uh, i mean there's a lot obviously circulating about the celtics and um uh, you know my my hot take is that we get uh chris paul to retire early so he can coach our team um i'm just kidding 
But... I was going to say, that might be uh, that's probably the biggest long shot I've heard so far. Yeah, no, he's, 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 uh, he's, uh, you know, he's on a trajectory to, you know, finally, hopefully be healthy to, uh, you know, fulfill his great career. Uh, hey, with the know, Celtics out of the playoffs right now, they're the team that I'm rooting for. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see. Um, it seems like everywhere that Chris Paul goes, not to get off of the Celtics, but everywhere he goes, he just, you know, everyone thought that the Thunder were going to be a joke and, you know, they had a great, great season with him. And, uh, but as far as like, I'm just interested to talk about the, you know, the Danny Ainge departure and the Brad Stevens, uh, move. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that maybe it's, it's financially, uh, you know, that we're not going to have to, you know, absorb that financially that he can move in to a new position. Uh, but I think he's a great basketball mind. And if you lose, you know, the, the voice of, of the locker room, if it becomes white noise, why not, why not take that, that mentality and that all that knowledge into, you know, cause he knows better than anyone what, what pieces he was trying to maneuver around. And clearly he did not have consistency. I mean, Langford would play a bunch, play well, and then he disappeared. And then Neesmith played well and he disappeared. And, you know, I think there was a consistency thing there, but I'm just interested in what the thoughts are on, uh, you know, his, you know, his new role, how that can be beneficial, maybe detrimental. And uh, yeah, just that whole, that whole maneuver. So I think that Brad is brilliant. Like every, everyone in the league will say the same thing. Like Brad is very, very smart when it comes to basketball. I don't know necessarily that this year panned out as well as anyone would have hoped for. Well, I know that's the case, but I don't, I don't really point that on Brad. A lot of people, a lot of people have jumped down his back and have talked about needing to get rid of him, trying to force him out. I get the frustrations about the season, but when the Celtics lead the league and missed games due to injury, due to COVID, whatever it may be, it's not it's not easy to build any sort of continuity. And I'm not going to blame the entire season on injuries because that's not that's not it. I'm not going to blame it all on Brad. I'm not going to blame it all on Danny. I mean, I'm not going to blame it all on the players, but there is a certain blame pie that goes around and you know, everybody that I just mentioned has a piece of it. Right? Like it's not a it's not a one size fits all thing. It's just not that scenario. So for me, I mean, I think that the move to the front office for Brad is going to, I think it's going to work out well for a couple different reasons. And there's one thing that I'm a little hesitant on as well, but you were right. I mean, when you mentioned that nobody knows the Celtics like Brad Stevens does, that's a hundred percent true, right? Because if you look at the one guy that knows exactly what this team has been lacking this year, it's Brad Stevens. If there's one guy that knows which pieces will fit with the current roster makeup, it's Brad Stevens. My totally. only hesitation. I, totally. I agree. I, I agree. I mean, I, yeah, continue. So my only hesitation on the Brad Stevens move to GM, and it, I'm not going to, it's not a big hesitation. I still think he's going to do a good job in that role. But my only hesitation is he's built a relationship with some of these guys for, you know, I'll say Marcus Smart, seven years. If he has to come and make that tough decision to, say, trade Marcus Smart or trade Kemba or trade any of the guys, really, decide not to re-sign Shemi, like, he's the person that's having this conversation now. and. I don't know. I guess my, my concern is I just don't know whether or not he has the gumption to do that. Right. Because of the personal, because of the personal relationship that have been gained for sure. Normally they try to, you know, separate it a little bit. Uh, And yeah, it's, it almost sounds like you think that it was maybe almost a premature move. Like, you know, with, you know, the, the way that this year kind of panned out, 
and having it just, you know, be, uh, you know, how it went with the injuries and the COVID and obviously Jalen Brown going down late. It was huge. I mean, beyond, you know, so yeah. do you think it, do you think it was premature to, to move on? And, and also, do you think that he's going to coach again ever? Probably. So right? I don't, Honestly, I don't really think he is going to coach again. I think this is like a – it's a massive upgrade as far as work-life balance goes. Yeah. And I think that I think that played a big role into him accepting it. I don't know that I would say that it was premature because I have a feeling that when all the Indiana rumors were circulating back before the trade deadline, I have a feeling that that was part of the reason that he didn't accept the job. Back in college, I think he already knew about Danny retiring at that point, and this has kind of been leading up to it. What I would have liked was at least some sort of interview process. And there's been a lot of, I guess, hate circulating the Celtics on this part as well, because when Danny retired, there was no sort of interview process they didn't look towards other candidates they didn't talk to anyone about it it was very hush hush and you know i liked the fact that it stayed in-house i liked that it's still you know celtics to the core but we didn't really have any sort of decorum for it so that's that's a really good point uh one thing that just to just to drop this seed is like you know, with all the free agents leaving, right, all the people that, that we have seen just come and go, you know, the highly touted players, I, I wonder, too, if Danny had a sense of with the Isaiah Thomas move, you know, like kind of the cold-hearted, like, feel about that, that not only is it cold and you're up, you know, in the Northeast, um, but to get people to come here knowing that he did he kind of did that to, you know, to Isaiah Thomas, if that maybe was somewhere in, in either his mind or, or somebody's that, yeah, like, you know, these players are people too. And not, not that, not that he wasn't, I, you know, nice to Isaiah Thomas, but I mean, like with the passing of his sister and, you know, the hip thing and, you know, the decline of his career after he was, you know, the all time leading, you know, uh, he was up there with the scorers, of, of Celtics past. I wonder if that had anything to do with it too. Just like the league is watching, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so I was listening to what's the, uh, it's a podcast with Steven Jackson and, uh, what's all the, the guy? up and smoke, smoke. up and smoke, yeah. all the smoke, yeah, 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 all the smoke. That's what it is. I was listening to the, all the smoke with Isaiah Thomas on there. And they talked a lot about kind of how the Celtics did him dirty and it was very differently shaped than I was expecting because he talked a lot about how the only thing the only like negative aspect of that whole situation for him was like the medical staff themselves didn't really tell Isaiah Thomas how bad the injury could be if he were to play so he didn't really have any ill will towards the front office but that part to me is a massive issue is the like the like the medical staff themselves like that should be the one area that no ball club should vary from and part of part of me the last couple of years have kind of been thinking that the medical staff just needs to be completely redone and a lot of that came to light this year once you know everybody got hurt like pretty much everybody and i don't know if it's the medical staff or we just got cursed with some you know bad people or brittle people i should say but sure it's, yes it's, like it's ie ie gordon situation. hayward i mean ie gordon hayward i mean he he you know this year it proved to be frail as well and i i was the most excited to have him but so, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not I'm not stoked that he left either. Like, no, I still, I still to this day said that I, I think that Gordon Hayward was the best facilitator on the Celtics while he was here. And I will I will die on that hill saying that. Uh, 
But if you look, if you look back historically, right, like Gordon Hayward was a guy that was playing pretty much a full season every season up until he came to Boston. Obviously, yep. that was a freak injury. You really can't say much about it. But you look at Kemba. He was another guy that played 70 to 78 games per season. Didn't really miss any games until he came to the Celtics. Kyrie Irving, up until he came to the Celtics, was fairly healthy. Yeah, right. You're right. And these are. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say that it's on the medical staff, but you gotta. You gotta wonder. That's right? a good point. That's that's a that's a good point. I never really thought about. Uh, you know the the different pods that exist within the organization and, and singling out maybe the medical staff if necessary. But that's a really good point um, too. Is you know. I mean, it's a it's a tough point to make, and I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and die on that hill because you just you, you just don't know, you don't know. You, do, you, you don't. I mean, it's it, it's 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 basketball. You know, any you can come down on any foot or or any you know given time. Uh, you know, have sustained an injury. Uh, yeah, I just I, I just kind of wonder if you know not only the voice of the locker room, but you know the the social atmosphere of the league with doing that to it you know and that's interesting to hear that that he was on that podcast and to hear and and he also he also was seemed willing to even sign a one-day contract to retire like it didn't seem like there was much ill will uh towards the celtics from it yeah yeah i mean i i still would love to see him back in the league i don't know i don't think that it's gonna be with the celtics i really don't but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, with the point of the season where the Celtics were, you know, down five guys because of injury and we could not get a single person on our bench to help us in any sort of offensive strategy, it's hard not to look back at what IT did and be like, all right, well, this guy can at least come in and give you eight points in 20 minutes. Like we right. weren't Some, really getting much from the likes of Shemi. We weren't getting much from the likes of Tremont Waters, Carson, Javante when he was still with us. Yeah, just it is tough, and and also like we used all the picks. Like we should not, in my opinion, we should not have used all the picks. Um, we really have like the Boston Red Claws kind of as our backups. You know, like guys that need more time need more run and and it, it's it, it obviously has been really tough to watch uh i'm a you know i love university of tennessee and i i was really into grant williams but he's just he's too small to be a, a four or an, even a five of which we played him and he's not quick enough to be to catch up with the threes um i, I love the guy but i mean we just i think we really kind of blew some obviously blew some draft picks and uh, you know, of of all the years, you know, to draft everyone and then COVID happens and then you don't even have the main red clause as an option. Like it's not even yeah. an option. It, it it was kind of the cards were stacked a little bit in that regard. I mean, I'll, I'll, it, the draft is tough. Like no team ever aces the draft every year. If you look like the last four or five years, the Celtics have done pretty well. That one or I guess two years they were just historically terrible. The Grant, the Tremont, the Carson, the Taco, like those years were bad. Tough. Obviously, (laughs) like looking at the other years surrounding it, JB, Tatum, Time Lord with a late pick. Like obviously the guy's got a ton of potential. I think he's going to step into a much bigger role this coming season if he can stay healthy. Uh, but then, honestly, this year as well, I mean, you look at Peyton Pritchard with a late pick. You look at Neesmith. Obviously, it took him a little bit longer to develop. But towards the end of the season, really took form. Like, gave very productive minutes uh, towards the end of the season. I think if, to your point, the Red Claws were a thing, Neesmith probably would have gotten a lot more run in the Red Claws this year. And by the time the like mid-season came, I think he would have been a much different player. 
So I don't think that he's struck out on all of the draft picks. There was obviously, you know, one or two pretty shitty years in the mix. Uh, But overall, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been as bad as people are saying. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, there's talent. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't predict that, you know, Sadiq Bey is going to just be outshine, you know, our picks, you know, you know, you, you yeah. just don't know. And you're right. And, and Robert Williams, I mean, he fell and that, I think it was a steal, obviously. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting to look and, and you'd look at the history of the Boston Celtics and it's, he's been GM or, you know, president of basketball operations for almost 20 years. And Long in time. the history, you know, one, one champ, and I'm not dogging that that was like one of the greatest days ever in 08, but one championship in 20 years is not really what the history of the organization represents either too, in fairness. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, the NBA has just changed. Yeah. Like in a, in an era now where you really need a super team to win. That's so pretty much the way the league is. Honestly, in my opinion, the only team that has won in the last 15 years, pretty much, that hasn't been a super team Pistons. was the Raptors. Oh, Raptors. I mean, they had Kawhi, but if you look past, I mean, I don't know that I would put Kyle, Kyle Lowry in superstar status. Like, I don't even know that year if he was an all-star. Norman Powell was, like, I believe a rookie. I don't even think he was relevant at that point. So, like, I Great don't... last name, though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does, Ricky. But nonetheless, but, you're you're right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, but that goes to show that, you know, the the shift of the league, like you get Kawhi going there and it's like all of a sudden he just has that ball that hits five times off the rim and goes in and it's like anything can happen in the game. And that's what why it's really, you know, a fun game. And, you know, my favorite game is that really anything can happen. But you need you need superstars. You need veterans and you need youth and it has to be. And you need superstars, and it has to be a, a balance of all those things. Uh, yeah, and you, that's and that's kind of why I'm excited to see what Brad can do. Like everyone knows that Brad likes veterans, likes veteran leadership. Danny just didn't really give him much to work with as far as veterans. Right. We obviously had the failed experiment of Jeff Teague, and then Tristan Thompson, kind of a bust. Uh, right. But now that Brad's kind of at the helm there i do think that's something that's going to change i Uh, hope so because because i was you know tell me that if we got fournier and gordon right like i would personally would give up marcus smart for that if we had to give up a first and you know the two seconds for fournier and then marcus smart to get two proven you need proven nba basketball players you don't find the tatums and the donovan mitchell's that often and you really want to get proven proven nba basketball players that that are that know the system that can score and defend to whatever degree they're capable of but you know like proven nba basketball players and that's what i've been kind of salivating for for these moves and it's nice that you think that brad will will come through on that and understand you know, we, we need, we need proven ability, not just, Oh, flip of a coin. I hope this guy works out type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that Brad knows more than anybody what this team needs. And I, I'm hopeful that he's going to take the moves to get us there, but I'm going to Ricky, I'm going to bring up another speaker. Hey guys, thank thank you. Appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Appreciate, appreciate you coming on. All right, Tyler, what do you got? What do you want to talk about here? Man, I I just want Kemba out. <laughs> is that is that like really a big shocker? <laughs> it's not a big shocker and I have my two cents about it, but what do you who are you thinking as far as trade target? Man, I was almost thinking maybe like a Alonzo sign and trade. Not possible, sir. No, really? I didn't know that. It's I didn't not, know yeah, no, it's, New Orleans cap, so I didn't know. 
Well, so it's actually the Celtics cap. And for oh, all really? of you guys, if you haven't done so already, like follow Keith Smith. The guy is like a wizard as far as cap goes. Uh, John Corrales of the Boston, uh, the Locked On Celtics, had him on the podcast and was talking through some of the the likely trade scenarios for Kemba. And a sign and trade is just off the table because the Celtics are hard cats. So even if we were to sign, even if we as the Celtics can sign and trade one of our players away, but we can't physically receive a player on a sign and trade. Oh, unless unless they were to fit into a traded player exception where we're bringing them in that way. So Lonzo Ball doesn't fit that bill. Unfortunately, I 100 percent in agreement that Lonzo Ball would be a great fit with this team. Unfortunately, it's just not possible. That sucks. That sucks. I know. And a lot of people keep bringing that up as an option. And it's not it's not really an option just because the cap is – it is what it is at this point. But there have been a couple other trade rumors surrounding Kemba. We've seen the Porzingis deal where we're sending Kemba in a first out for Porzingis. Uh, we've seen an Al Horford deal. We've seen, uh, believe it's Luke Kennard, Pat Beverly from the Clippers. So there, I mean, there are a lot of other rumors, a lot of other options. I mean, have there have any of those kind of stuck out to you? And if so, why? Well, the Luke Kennard and Patrick Beverly stuck out to me as a really bad one, but at this point, I mean, I just <laughs> Kemba, he's unhappy, so we're gonna have to trade him. So like. Might as well trade so, him to the I other conference, know you know? That, I don't really know that that's the case. There, I don't like that trade. There's been, a lot of, there's been a lot of conflicting information about Kemba's, like, willingness to stay or wanting to leave. There's been a lot of conflicting talk about that. And I've heard that it was bullshit that he wanted out, and that was never a thing. I don't know if I buy it. I personally think he wants out. And if that's the case, so be it. It kind of hurts the Celtics' trade options. One of the things, and you know, some people will 100% agree with me on this. Some people will call me crazy, and that's fine. I don't think that the Porzingis deal makes any sense whatsoever. I think that trading Kemba for Porzingis is just bringing another big that is on a much worse deal, much longer much more expensive deal overall. And it's just, it's, to me, it doesn't make sense. I think Al Horford, this is the take that I think a lot of people are pretty polar on. And I think the Al Horford deal is a pretty good deal. And here's why. One, it's less money up front. It's less money on the first year. And he only has one year left after that. And the guaranteed money on his deal in 22-23 is $14 million, his guaranteed salary, compared to Kemba's, I believe, 38. So we're freeing up almost $20 million in cap by making that trade. I don't know that it necessarily fits the exact need of the Celtics. I think that we do as a team – need to get another legitimate backup center. And I think Al is that piece or could be that piece. But what trading for Al actually does is also give us the ability to then go out and shop Tristan Thompson because now they're kind of redundant players. So that to me is the only reason that I kind of am leaning towards the Al Horford piece because it gives us a proven backup center and it gives us the ability to shop Tristan Thompson for another mid-level exception and potentially bring in another veteran guard or veteran, you know, wing player. So I think that just gives the Celtics a little bit more options to actually make something work. I've actually talked about that exact thing about trading for either Porzingis and Porzingis or Horford, and I said that I thought it would be a better trade for Horford for veteran leadership alone because 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he he fits the group. He knows he knows. He some wants of them. to be Obviously, a guard. He, he don't help us in any way. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think from a veteran leadership standpoint, it's fine. I mean, it's just kind of it's coming off of two pretty bad stints in both Philly and in Oklahoma City. I mean, obviously the Thunder just – they just shut him down completely because they didn't want to see him play. But he, he was having a pretty good season statistically in OKC before they shut him down. I mean, they just – they wanted to play their young guys. They wanted to develop. And they wanted to tank because they wanted a better, more draft stock. So, you know, that part, it is what it is. You know, you got to move past it. I think that it wouldn't be a bad play for the Celtics. You're offloading a lot of salary. Al Horford's not as good as Kemba. I'm not going to sit here and say that. It's a step back talent-wise. But if you're looking towards, you know, potentially the future, you're freeing up a lot of cap. And it gives you the ability to move some other players around to bring in other pieces. So that's, that's what I got on that topic, Tyler. But I got another guy coming in here, William Tyler. Appreciate you hopping on here. Feel free to stay on. Appreciate you. All hey, right, what's William, going on, man? What do, you, what do you got here? So <laughs> I'm going to touch on what Tyler spoke about in trading Kimba. Okay. So I'm 50-50 on it, and here's why. If we can get back something decent for Kimba, I'm all for it, right? But – at the same time, I'm not. I really feel like when he's on, he's on for us. You know what I mean? He's I do. On. And, I do. And no one can deny that. I think the issue with him, though, is he still thinks he's in Charlotte. <laughs> and I think too many people have felt that Kimba needs to drop 40, 50 points a game. I don't think we need that from him. You know what I mean? Um, I do. I think that's what's hurt the past few point guards we've had, you know, with the the Kyrie situation, it's like, we didn't need him to be, we didn't, we don't need Kemba to drop 40, 50 points. We just need him to be a facilitator. That's to me, that's what we need in a point guard. And you touched on the Lonzo thing. Um, (laughs) If, if we could do it, I wish we could get Lonzo. Cause I think it would be, I think it would be good. You know, I, I really think it would be good. Um, yeah, I mean, you you know my thoughts on it. I mean, you're part of the, the Boston Celtics Till I Die Facebook page, and I appreciate yeah. that. But, um, no, but I mean, honestly, it's just I, – I think that Lonzo would be a perfect fit because the Celtics really do need a facilitating guard, in my opinion. Right. I do I, – I think Kemba has a ton of value or adds a ton of value when he's healthy. But the, yeah. the problem, like – Next year is going to be a different year. It's We're going back to a normal season for the most part. So right. we shouldn't have as many back-to-backs. Kemba has an entire offseason to strengthen his knee. I think it's going to be better. So, I mean, that part's, that part's good, but I just don't know. Like, if we go another year and then he gets hurt in the playoffs, right? is it, <laughs> is it worth the risk? Yeah. And that's and my that's only right. concern. <laughs> Yeah, that's why that's why I say I'm fifty fifty two because it's like, hmm. Yeah, you you have this off season, and I'm I'm eager to see what you can do with you know a proper off season or even if it's who knows if this off season will be proper. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, do we want to risk it? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I can't lie, his contract hurts. His contract hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's a he's a great player, and I like if you look he at is. stats, people people like gave him shit a lot this season, and a lot of it's a lot of it's fair if you're looking at his contract. His numbers are good. Like right, the guy right. averaged near twenty points, five assists, whatever, five re- four rebounds. Like there, those are good numbers. But for a guy that's making thirty seven million, right. <laughs> That's that's where you start to go. Like I don't know if that's a hundred percent worth it, um, right? You know, but again, options are limited. Like the whole not being able to sign and trade because we're hard capped puts us in a bind. Yeah, the fact that you know he is making as much money as he is, and he has as many health 
issues as he does right. makes the trade bait near impossible. Like there are pretty much five teams in the NBA that have the cap space to just take his salary on and not worry about it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, there's not, there's not a lot of teams. Like the there Knicks really isn't <laughs> option because the Knicks have the cap space. The Mavs have the cap space. You go into teams like the Grizzlies that are close. So there, there are teams out there that have cap space available to take on that salary, but it's, if we do, if we go that route, what else do we need to part ways with as far as assets, whether it's trade draft, like draft capital or right, right. And at that point, is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's I a agree. catch 22. It's not an easy situation <laughs> to be in. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Do you, do you have a specific team or trade target that you see fitting that Kemba matchup? Not, not really. I was, I was looking at the Dallas one, but I don't like the Dallas one. Um, and even more so after watching the series between Dallas and LA and the Clippers, um, the, the Kemba for Porzingis trade to me, he doesn't fit. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, and I could be wrong, but like you said, it's a, it's another contract. It's another big contract. That, it's a bigger contract. <laughs> yeah, that Believe we don't need on the books. Like, yeah. uh, there was know, one, I can't I remember. Porzingis, he's, he's not a five. Like, he's very tall. He's big, short. People tend to value height a lot more than they probably should in this league. <laughs> right. But the guy's, the guy's tall, but he doesn't go past the free throw line. Like, he's basically, he basically exactly. the three-point line. <laughs> He's not going to rebound that well. I mean, he's actually he still puts up a good amount of rebounds because he's fucking 7'4". But the guy's not a defensive presence. He's not going to help us in that aspect. And it's just another guy that could get hurt and probably will get hurt. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a, uh, it's a tricky scenario. And it's one that Brad kind of is getting thrust into. After it really not is. being a GM ever, right. stepping into a pretty tough spot, trying to trying to figure out the the roster and all the needs that we have on this yeah. team at this point. And I'm eager to see how that goes too. Um, I think it'll be fun, um, especially for him coming from being a coach. I, I believe you said it. He knows the team needs. You know what I mean. He he knows those needs. Um, yeah. I. I don't know. I, I'm eager to see how it goes. I'm excited. Um, I really do think we need a culture change, though. I, I don't know how that would look. You know, with the coach, coaching wise. Um, do you have you. a head coach in mind? I do. I do. So, I people have seen my post. I, I want. I want my top three or top two right now: Chauncey and Carol Lawson. Um. Following then, my footsteps, I like it. I'm sorry? I said following my footsteps, I like it. <laughs> yeah, those are my top two. And if I had to add a third one, it would be Becky, uh, Becky Hammond. Only because, you know, I, I hate to bring this back up, but what Kyrie did, Kyrie knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? He he created this narrative, and it's all, it's been a narrative for a while. But he just took it and ran with it. Now everyone's running with it, and I'm like, "Are you talking? Are you talking the race card?" Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like, it, it's not true at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> From at least not for the organization. If we're talking places, that's anywhere and could be anywhere in America or anywhere in a, in the world for that matter. <laughs> but <laughs> the organization itself, and then Danny didn't help with his comments, but. That's neither here nor there. So kind of, and that's kind of why I was hesitant when they promoted Brad without any sort of interview process because it was right. right in the midst of all of that, and they didn't give anybody else any consideration. 
yeah. whether that's white, black, male, female, they just promoted Brad and called it a day. Yeah, I, I had some friends who were like, whether or not it's really? the right move or not, <laughs> you know, whether or not it's the right move is has to be seen because obviously we haven't seen anything happen with it yet. But, you know, with with all of the publicity that's been going on in a negative fashion towards the Celtics, you just would have assumed they would have tried to make an effort. Right, to- right. <laughs> to have fixed it a little bit, and they just and they didn't. So I don't know. It's well, and weird. I think that's why the uh, <clears throat> when you look at the coaches they're interviewing, I think they're very strategic in what they're doing right now. If you look Cara, at the- Carol Lawson, fits every single mark. Right, Minor- right. minority female. <laughs> you know, she does. I'm not. I'm not even saying that in a negative way. I'm really not. No, Cara, you're not. Cara you're not with the Celtics. She knows the team. And honestly, she's brilliant. She was a fantastic player herself. I was just and, about to say that because she, she won a championship, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's, she's already a, got she's that. A very, very good basketball player. Very right, good basketball right. mind. So, But, I mean, again, if you are looking at, you know, trying to, to do the right thing, I guess, is what most people would call it. Yeah. She fits, she fits the mark on all of it. Right, right. Um. And everybody knows I don't want Jason Kidd. <laughs> yeah. Again, he's another he's another brilliant basketball mind. I don't really. I, no, I he look, is. I don't look too much into the into the personal stuff, honestly. Right. Right. I'm not gonna, but <laughs> people are entitled to that, and I totally get it. No, he is a good mind. He he is a, he's a very great basketball mind. Like if we're removing personal stuff, <laughs> coaching wise, I still don't. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. That's to be seen. I mean, I'm sure he'll he'll probably land on a team somewhere at some point. Right, whether that's right. the Celtics, you know, we don't know, obviously. But I think he might be a he might be a fit in Portland. Maybe Dan Tony gets that job in Portland. But yeah, I guess we we'll find out soon. But William, appreciate right. you hopping on here. I'm going to invite Jason up to the the podium here and see what we got. All right, thanks, man. Hey, what's going on, guy? How we doing, Jason? I'm doing all right, man. Enjoying the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me get on here and chop it up with you a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you got? Well, I'm, I mean, my biggest interest, the thing I'm most interested in right now, is like thinking about the coaching. Because as far as the player personnel stuff and and different movement, I don't think we're likely going to see anything concrete come out around that until we have a better idea as to who's going to be at the helm coaching the team and see what happens here in the draft. So I've been, I've been really enjoying looking at draft prospects and then considering coaching candidates. Uh, one of the guys I like coaching wise, you know, I'm wondering why things have kind of gone quiet on the cell front. I don't know if it's because they're still competing at a high level in the playoffs right now. Um, or if that's just not an area that they're looking, but everything I've seen on tape with that guy as a coach and just the feedback he gets from players Another interesting candidate that's come up recently is Darvin Ham. Uh, now, you know, we got to be careful not to hold some of the Bucks' unique challenges against him, perhaps. Um, but everything that's coming out about Darvin Ham is pretty similar to Cassell. A lot of glowing recommendations from players talking about how he's really good at just connecting with them in a way, get, getting them fired up, helping them understand and really buy into their roles which I think is a dynamic that we're really going to need building around the Jays is helping get a coach in this, in this locker room that can help these other supporting cast guys really buy into these roles and believe in what they're doing is contributing to that championship run. So those are a couple of coaching candidates that I've been interested in looking at. Be, uh, be interested to hear some of your thoughts on it. So I think, I think Sam Cassell's a, a great pick for a coach. I've talked about this on my podcast as well, but honestly, as far as Sam Cassell goes, He's a he's a player that probably didn't get enough credit when he was in the league because I mean realistically he was just a he was a backup pretty much his entire career well, not not his entire career but for a good bulk of his career was a backup very good floor general very smart and a lot of it translates right like you you've seen what he's been doing right now as an assistant coach. The guy is just smart. 
Like he knows the game of basketball. I think that he is a guy that could come in, make an impact. And obviously like the, the biggest positive, I think of the whole entire process for him is the fact that he won a championship with the Celtics. So I can't say I know too much about, I believe it was Darvin Ham. I don't think, I don't really know too much about him, so I can't really give you my two cents on him. But I think Sam Cassell is another guy that would be a pretty good head coach for the Celtics and would fit in in this culture. Yeah, and Sam, I mean, Sam, he was a reserve with that Rockets team because he came into the league his first two seasons when they won that championship. He was a, he was a rookie and a second-year backup. But then after that, he grew into that starting role. And, I mean, he even had an all-NBA season um, as a player. I think that was when he was rocking it with the Timberwolves uh, with Garnett. And then, obviously, he was a backup when he came to the Celtics. Darvin Ham, on the other hand, he's always kind of a, a backup player, a journeyman. He got most well-known because he was a high flyer. He could, re- I mean, he's broken a couple backboards in his day. But he's also, like, since he's gotten into the assistant coaching world, he's been getting a lot of that, you know, just kind of typical feedback that you get about players that had that really tactical mindset and and had a really keen ability to not just understand the game at that level, but then to also communicate it to the others around him. So, you know, guys, you know, we hear about some of the active players that are doing that. Like, you know, LeBron gets a lot of credit, but, like, lower-tier level players like Rondo get that same kind of feedback, like, oh, this guy's going to be a coach. Ime Odoka yeah. was another example of that, and he kind of got some tutelage under, what was it, Popovich over in the Spurs uh, before getting over to he's with the Nets now. And uh, that's kind of the trajectory that I, it seems like Darvin Ham has gone on, and he's gotten some good feedback just on his motivational prowess too. And that's where guys like Sam and Darvin Ham, I feel like, get the edge over a guy like Ime Odoka who just seems kind of more of a, low energy guy, more of a Brad Stevens energy kind of guy. And I think yeah. that's something that the team is looking for that other energy. That te- The team's looking for like someone that's going to light that fire under him. And maybe yeah. that has something to do with Tatum being more of a soft-spoken cat. You know, maybe, you know, he's a guy that kind of needs someone to, to get him fired up and know how to sort of do that uh, help help motivation kind of thing. Yeah, and and honestly, this is – kind of what I've been thinking too because I mean if you look Jalen Brown is that guy like he can be the guy that has the that's outspoken and it's not just basketball obviously politically too but on the basketball court like if you look at the two J's Jalen Brown is the guy that is going out and is trying to motivate his team Jason Tatum to me as good as he is still has like three more notches that he can take and that's and all three of them are just leadership potential for me. Maybe so, he can get those books from Paul Pierce. Do you remember? If you I, remember the stories about Paul Pierce going and buying yep. like fifteen different books. Yep, Paul Pierce is still to this day favorite athlete, not even basketball player, favorite athlete of all time. And I'm from New England, where Tom Brady was God for you know fifteen years, eight whatever whatever it was. Celtic yeah. love runs deep, man. I was yep, watching. I was watching Al Jefferson in summer league while the rest of my family was watching the uh, Red Sox beat the curse of the Bambino. Yeah, yeah. I almost got disowned for all that. But yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> when you got when you got a superstar player like Tatum, you might need that coach that understands how to just get him going on another level. Um, and maybe you know maybe that's something where you know I know. Brad, it was reported, and I forget which podcast it was, but someone was reporting that Brad had a sit-down with Jalen Brown to talk about some of the coaching options. I feel like that was a a good thing to have done because I feel like Brown is one of those cerebral cats that's going to be able to like understand the personalities in the room, what him and, and Jason are looking for. I just I, I see a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I know there's a lot of folks out there feeling really anxious about the salary cap, but that's why I'm focused on getting excited about who this next coach is going to be because I find it difficult to believe that the organization led by Brad with this decision, getting feedback directly from players that he's coached and been successful coaching. I don't see this going in a real negative way. Um, Even if the coach they end up hiring here doesn't ultimately win that championship, I don't see them making a decision that's going to be catastrophic. So I feel like that's a, a, a reason for optimism right there. And then, listen, draft time, 
what is draft time other than just relentless optimism, right? And hopefulness for, for candidates, young guys coming into the league, just trying, you know, trying to do what they do. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about if we keep that 16th pick, I think there's players to be had. It, It seems like a pretty deep draft. Um, it's top heavy. I mean, that's what they, they say every year, but there's always gems that get found all over the place. And so there's no reason that we can't find one at 16. You know, you never know when you're going to find your next Yabaselli. Oh, Jesus. Get the dancing bear talk off of this. No, I, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, with the, with the draft coming out, my, my only hope for the draft this year is that regardless of where the Celtics go, that, the red claws are a, a thing <laughs> that the season's back on because honestly, main Celtics. I, I, yeah, the main Celtics, I'm sorry. <laughs> still, still reverting to red claws here. Um, no, but my, I mean, that's, that's realistically it because you look at the team now, there's a lot of guys that I don't think are going to be on this team next year. And a lot of them are kind of those two way players. I don't think taco resigns. I don't think we give them a contract. Tremont Waters might be back. Nah. That's a big, that's a big if. Yeah, those, I, I think both those guys are probably gone. I'm with you on that. Car- Carson Edwards, another one, probably gone. I don't see I don't even, I don't see him being a fit in the NBA in general, and I've said that on my podcast a bunch. Yeah. Um, no, his calling card had to be guys. that Eddie House role. He had to be able to get those buckets, and he just hasn't been able to be that microwave at this level. Cor- correct. He hasn't. And honestly, at this point, the other the other free agent is Shemi. And he was the guy that had a big question mark on him last year. And we ended up giving the extension. And it, now he's now his time's up. So Seemed like the hope for him was Jay Crowder 2.0, and it just never panned out. I mean, personally, I don't mind Shemi. I think if you look at the rest of the team, all of the other people that I just named, he deserves a spot over every single one of them. But so let me ask you this: If you had minutes, to choose between Shemi and Grant, who would you invest any like more time into at this point, moving forward, between those two cats? Grant. Yeah. What is it about Grant that makes you feel like? I mean, obviously, yeah, he's he's got a little bit less years in the NBA, so like you know, less of a less less tape to use against him. But just as far as what he does on the court, what is it about him that you're feeling like gives him an edge over a guy like Shemi? Because you know, he Shemi, so, like you kind of said, Shemi sometimes gets a little bit of a bad bag from the fan base, especially because he's not like a shiny player. But he, you know, he is a he's a gritty guy, and he he can he can play some defense. He can get you boards, and he showed some some flashes of getting to the basket this past year. And that that three point shot did go up a little bit. So, so a lot of a lot of people, and I was I was making this point early on in the season about Shemi because the first like. Let's call it three weeks, maybe first two weeks when the Celtics started eight and three. Shemi Ojale next to Jalen Brown looked like two of the most improved players that I've seen in a long time for the Celtics. Yeah, he had a good stretch. Shemi looked fantastic to start, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is the guy that I really thought that we were going to develop. And then things fell off. Like, to me, the things with Shemi that haven't quite solidified as much as I would have liked is his three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, defensively, he's a dog. Like, he's a very good defensive player. I don't know that I ever want to see him dribble the ball ever <laughs> because it scares the hell out of me every time he tries. And he is just god-awful in transition. What I like about Grant, just from like a, a pure basketball IQ standpoint, he is, I think, on a different level than almost everybody on the team. And I know basketball IQ does not win games all the time. And I know Grant has a lot of just what in the hell was that type moments. Like his like air ball from four feet away mm. at one point. Like, there are a lot of those moments, but I think Grant gives you a little bit more of a a 3 and D switchability type guy that you're not really getting from Shemi. You know, and, and that plays back into some of the coaching dynamic, too, because I wonder if a guy like Grant, 
who who is really like just a, seems like by all accounts one of the nicest human beings on the, on the planet. Um, kind of yeah. a goofy guy too, likes doing a lot of the games and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder if like the right right coach and just the right kind of team dynamic that happens could get a little bit more of that, you know, just a little bit more of that dog mentality. Not that he has to be like, you know, just like a Jay Crowder or just like, you know, a, a dog dynamic like uh, Shemi Ojale, but just like a little bit more of that seriousness out of him where he just wants to kind of take himself to the next level and gets a little bit of that fire going for himself. Because I think you're right. I think there's a lot of talent there, especially given the guy does have that basketball IQ, does seem to understand the game and are really, uh, you know, the game's not too fast for him. And that's almost what makes it more frustrating when you watch him play because it's not that the, the game's moving too fast or he doesn't know where to be. It's just sometimes it seems like what he knows to do and what he does just don't seem to sync up, which I guess doesn't make a whole lot of sense when I say it out loud. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I do get it, though. I mean, the thing, the thing with Grant that I appreciate is he knows his role like 90% of the time. It's the 10% of the time that's that's frustrating to most fans. But you need to look at his entire game. Like, he's not a guy that's going to go out and shoot 20% on the night. I'm sure it's happened. But if you look at his games, like, the shots that he takes, they're typically good shots. Like, he's not a guy that's going to force the issue. Shemi is the exact same way. He's not a guy that forces anything. But he's just not aggressive enough. Mm. So, I don't know. There's kind of a, a balance that you don't really see with Shemi that at least I see from Grant. I know that's not a popular opinion. I know a lot of people give Grant a lot of shit. And some of it is warranted. But I don't think enough of it is. I think that, I think that I still think that he's a better overall player mm-hmm. than Shemi. I, I like him as a big for our for our team too. I think he th- right now that's an area where we lack the most depth, especially talent wise, like overall talent wise, and in systems that have been successful th- for this squad up to this point. You know, even when we haven't had exceptional levels of talent at that position, we've been able to get by or maintain. Like when we had the Tyler Zellers and the Jared Sullingers, because like just like you're saying, the bigs understood their role in the scheme in the system and they played within that and we were able to be successful, you know, on a whole, as opposed to just leaning into the individual talent of folks at different positions. We got privileged a little bit when we got Horford coming in. Cause then we had a big, that was just at a whole nother talent level. And it's been kind of, you know, everyone I think has been fairly frustrated not having that equal talent to replace it since then. Yeah. We get a little bit of the tease from Robert, uh, time Lord Williams, but you know, the, the jury's out on if he can stay healthy enough for the full season, carry starters minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that position. But I think, yeah, Grant's, Grant should be given, I think, a fair consideration just just on the merit, too, that he fills one of the most necessary and, and depleted positions or, or depth spots on the, on the lineup right now as it stands currently. So, so and, this is, and this is where I'll leave this topic, right, is – the one variable in all of this, I think, is Jabari Parker. Mm. Because you look, at, you look at the Celtics right now and the role that Grant plays, it's the small ball five. Yep. And in the time that Jabari Parker actually played, that was the role that he came in and played. Yep. It was typically that small ball five. Sometimes they even went really small ball and threw Grant Williams in there also, moved him to four. But – you know, if Jabari Parker, with an entire offseason with the Celtics, dark horse actually comes in and plays well, that's where Love things it. kind of change. And now Shemi's more of a, a wing guy than Grant is. Grant might get phased out. Mm-hmm. So it really that to me, I think, is kind of the like you said, like the bigger dark horse because you just yep. you don't really know what you're going to get. I think he showed a lot of glimpses of of hope. I think yeah. there are still obviously some glaring like issues with him with his game. I think but, that dude dug in though. Like like he dug in. He got yeah, burned. Yeah, I mean, he overall, got toasted, he played, but he dug in. He played a lot better than I was anticipating. 
Yep. I'll, I'll admit that. So, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm going to wrap up. Honestly, it's like, we've been on for a little over an hour. Uh, if anyone wants to stay on, I can make them host. Uh, but otherwise I think I'm going to hop off here. I'll definitely do it again. So for the people that are on that aren't already a part of this page on Facebook, go to the Boston Celtics till I die Facebook page. Uh, and we'll probably continue to do these like maybe every week, every other week, uh, talk about some upcoming news. Uh, so Boston Celtics till I die Facebook page. Uh, but yeah, appreciate all you guys hopping on here and, Again, if yeah, anyone's nice talking to you, man. So stay. Let me know. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic.